Welcome to Illinois Family Spotlight, a conversation about issues of the day from a biblical perspective, as well as highlights from interviews, conferences, and events. Here's Monty Larrick. Thanks for making Illinois Family Spotlight part of your day. During this edition, we're featuring comments made by Dr. Michelle Cretella during the Illinois Family Institute's March 2019 Worldview Conference. That conference focused on gender ideology, which Dr. Cretella calls an anti-science cult that's opening the door for totalitarian government. Dr. Cretella is a board-certified general pediatrician with a special interest in adolescent mental and sexual health. I'm here today to tell you uh, the horrific news that we are actually manufacturing transgender children in this country and around the world. Um, And this is child abuse. It's institutionalized child abuse. And what's worse, and this is very, very important, especially for Christians to understand, is that the transgender movement is an opening for a totalitarian government. We are already seeing the erasure of parent rights, women's rights, and religious freedom. So I'm gonna cover science and then the social implications of the movement. Now, I'm here to tell you that when a doctor says, congratulations, you have a girl, or congratulations, you have a boy, he or she has not assigned your child a sex, right? No. Uh, Sex is determined at fertilization. If anyone assigns it, it's God. (laughs) The doctor, we just recognize the sex. And what I receive phone calls from teachers, grades, uh, like grade seven on up, from teachers who are health teachers or biology teachers, they are being told by their school administrators that they can no longer say that girls are XX and have ovaries, Uh, They can no longer say that girls uh, make eggs or that boys make sperm because that's transphobic language. That's discriminatory language. No, we have to hold on to biological reality. And I tell these teachers, they ask me, what can we do? I said, speak the truth. This is science. You tell your administrators if you get called up to them, biology is not bigotry. Sex is a biological reality. It is defined by our reproductive capacity. It takes a man and a woman to make a baby. That's two sexes. That's all we have. As I said, sex is determined at fertilization. It declares itself in utero as early as eight weeks gestation. And at birth, we merely recognize it. Now, we are often told that activists will bring up, oh, no, 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 there's a third, at least a third sex, the intersex people. This is using, using people with birth defects as pawns for a political goal. Disorders, the proper medical term is disorders of sex development. It is exceedingly rare. One in 2,000 births, we will have a baby with ambiguous genitalia. Now, to put that in perspective, twice as often as that, we will have a baby born with a defect of their mouth, cleft lip and palate. No one says, oh, you know what? We have a normal spectrum of human mouth development here. No, we understand that that is a birth defect. Cleft lip and palate is a birth defect. Well, here, ambiguous genitalia, 
far less frequent, much more rare, but they're trying to tell us that this is a new sex. No, it is not. Words are engineered before society is, right? We've got linguistic engineering that always takes place before social engineering. And decades ago, starting with actually John Money, John Money was a psychologist and a sexologist. He and his colleagues wanted to justify mutilating surgeries on transsexual men. He knew, even back then, everyone knew, you can't change sex. Surgeries don't change sex. Drugs don't change sex. So he said, we have to make something up to say what we're treating so we can get paid for it. So he took the word gender. Now, originally, gender meant male or female, masculine or feminine, and applied only to grammar. Take, for example, in the Spanish language, amigo. That means friend in Spanish. It has a male gender. If I name a hurricane Gloria, I have assigned the hurricane a female gender, okay? Sex, that's what people have. Male or female, man or woman. Gender, only applied to grammar. Until John Money came along and said, hmm, mm -mm. these transsexual men, they have a sex and a gender. The gender is their social expression of an internal sexed identity. Social expression of an internal sexed identity. That's not a scientific thing. It was made up. He pulled it out of thin air. And that is the first time that the word gender appeared in the medical literature and was applied to people. And from there, that's where the confusion entered society. So when we are speaking, when we're speaking about people, we have to remind ourselves, speak about sex. It's not a gender reveal party for our baby. It's a sex reveal par party, right? Um, it's very important. According to the activists, we must teach children as young as age two that people actually have an innate gender identity. So an identity in the mind that they're born with of either male, female, or other, that people are born with an innate gender expression masculine, feminine, or other, that people are born, that we're basically not born with a sex. Nope, see, see kids, we have our sex assigned at birth. Then they teach the children, you may be physically attracted to male, female, or other, and you also have an innate emotional attraction to male, female, or other. All lies. Gender identity disorder, which was renamed gender dysphoria, is a real thing. Dysphoria simply means discomfort or emotional upset. Prior to the transgender political activism, let's say prior to 2013, less than 1% of children would experience a discomfort over their physical bodies. Less than a fraction of a percent would actually believe that they were the opposite sex. And the vast majority, up to 98% of confused boys and up to 88% of confused girls would outgrow this confusion if families were helped to support them through their natural puberty. So prior to transgender activism, prior to 2013, most physicians and psychiatrists and therapists understood that the transgender belief 
was in the same category as anorexia nervosa. That is where a young woman or young man believes they are morbidly obese when in fact they are dangerously thin. There are people who believe they are horribly disfigured and need to pursue cosmetic. They want to pursue cosmetic surgery because they believe they're terribly disfigured, body dysmorphic disorder. But we don't follow that old thinking anymore. Today, doctors, therapists will actually tell parents. So if, a parent, if two parents bring their little boy to a doctor, little boy's three years old, and he's insisting that mommy, daddy, I'm really a girl, wants to use cross-dressing, he's only playing with girl toys. The doctors today will say, oh, he's insistent, consistent, and persistent that he's really a girl. He was born in the wrong body. Mom and dad, you must socially change him. He's really your daughter. Give him a new name, encourage him to dress only as a girl, and you make sure you go to the school and make sure they treat him as such. Congratulations, you have a daughter. Social impersonation is the first step that children are now given, and that will be followed by drugs called puberty blockers, usually at age nine, as early as age nine, and then sex change, well, cross-sex hormones, cross-sex hormones when they're sometimes as young as 13. Just to take a step back, in 2010, I did have a little boy. I call him Andy, not his real name. And between the ages of three and five, he did start to tell his parents that he was a girl. He increasingly played only with girl toys and was cross-dressing. His parents were concerned, and again, this was 2010, so we still had critically thinking therapists at that time. <laughs> After three months of therapy, Andy, during play therapy with both parents present and the therapist, grabbed a truck in one hand, a Barbie in the other, kind of weighed them and looked up and said, Mommy, Daddy, you don't love me when I'm a boy. Now, these parents were good parents, but when Andy was three, his sister with special needs was born. So he went from being king of the hill, apple of mom and dad's eye, little sissy needed a lot of help and a lot of care. And in this little boy's three-year-old, three to five-year-old mind, he couldn't process that any other way except they don't love me anymore. I'm not a girl. I need to be a girl. With that, the therapist was able to work with Andy and his parents, and over the course of a year, he experienced healing. He was, the parents were able to help him become confident as the boy that he is. So it is very true. Sex abuse and physical abuse, uh, shame, attachment loss, all those things can weigh heavily into causing this gender dysphoria. But not every individual has the same story. Not every individual it has experienced sex abuse. Many have, but not all. The gender experts, again, they will tell you, oh, no child is too young. If they think they're a boy or girl, they're breaking those sex stereotypes. Transition them over. They can be two or three. It's not too young. So what about these puberty-blocking drugs? What are they? Lupron is the name of the most common one. Puberty-blocking drugs are not FDA-approved for physically healthy children. They are not FDA-approved for physically healthy children. Every child confused about their sex is physically healthy. So this is experimental. Puberty blockers are FDA-approved to treat specific diseases. 
Now, their action is they stop the development of sex traits. So in girls, they will stop, they'll prevent breast development. They'll prevent curves. Um, in boys, it'll prevent the deepening of the voice, the increased musculature, the hair growth. It also suppresses fertility and it suppresses the normal development of the brain. Children's brains require their natural sex hormones to direct the neurological wiring into the teen years. So puberty blockers stop all that. Their side effects include severe osteoporosis or brittle bones in young women, an increased occurrence of testicular cancer in young men, increased risk of obesity in young men. When Lupron is used to treat prostate cancer, it is approved to treat prostate cancer and it's approved to treat a gynecologic condition in women, it causes memory problems. So this is the poison we're giving physically healthy children, saying that, oh, we're treating, we're treating their gender dysphoria. And the experts say, it's harmless and fully reversible. Well, no, it's not. Following the puberty blockers, nearly 100% of kids on puberty blockers will then go on to, to ask for cross-sex hormones. And why wouldn't they? We've treated them as the opposite sex from the time they were little kids. We put them on blockers so they can continue to impersonate the opposite sex. Of course, they're going to think they are the opposite sex, and they're going to want those cross-sex hormones. As soon as you give these little kids cross-sex hormones with the puberty blockers, you have permanently sterilized them. No natural babies for them. The cross-sex hormones, which would be estrogen for boys, testosterone for girls, you've got increased risk of heart attacks, strokes, blood clots, diabetes, various cancers, and emotional instability. We are now seeing girls as young as age 13 being referred by these experts as young as age 13 for a double mastectomy. I'm going to pause here because just to illustrate how politicized and ideological mainstream medicine has become. Dr. Michelle Critella during the Illinois Family Institute's Worldview Conference. After a brief time out, we'll continue with her address. With a one-minute look at culture from a Christian worldview, I'm John Stone Street with The Point. Apparently, Josh Timonen, once a right-hand man of new atheist author Richard Dawkins, has now chosen to follow Christ. Timonen began working with Dawkins back in 2006, just before the publication of the bestseller The God Delusion. He helped with Dawkins' websites and documentaries, as well as with his foundation and merchandise. The two parted ways due to a legal dispute. Much later, Timonen relocated his family during the pandemic, and they started to attend a church so that his young daughter could make some friends. At that church, he and his wife began to reconsider Christianity. And after reading Lee Strobel's The Case for Christ, Timonen was confronted with the historical facts of Jesus' life, ministry, and resurrection, all of which he had dismissed early on in his atheism. Within the year, both Josh and his wife had placed their faith in Christ. Timonen's story reminds us that God is always at work and that through Christ, God can reconcile us to himself, even while we are his enemies, as Romans 5.10 says. For the Colson Center, I'm John Stone Street. Thanks for joining Illinois Family Spotlight. During this segment, Dr. Michelle Cretella warns that many pediatricians are no longer on the side of parents 
and have become gender activists in white coats. Dr. Cotella is a board-certified general pediatrician. The left, the, the far-left American Academy of Pediatrics came out with a warning to parents of teenagers about tattoos. They said, parents and pediatricians, be sure to warn your teenage children and patients about getting tattoos. Teenagers are not mentally mature enough to weigh the risks. And, you know, tattoos can cause scarring, and they can be very difficult to remove. The same American Academy of Pediatrics is 110% behind sending teenage girls for double mastectomies if they think they're boys. Yes, it is institutionalized child abuse. This is how crazy, I just want you to understand how ideological and left-wing the American Academy of Pediatrics is. Activist surgeons are now trying to push for the right to do bottom surgeries or genital surgeries on children under 18. So parents, do not leave your children alone with doctors. If you take your child to the pediatrician, the family practitioner, Usually by age 11 or 12, the pediatrician or family practitioner will say, okay, we, we want to help encourage your child's independence. So um, we, they'll generally do an interview with you in the room, and then they'll ask you to leave for the physical exam if it's okay with, with the child. You do not have to leave. Don't leave. What happens when you leave? I know, I'm a pediatrician. Uh, we asked children about drug, sex, and rock and roll. Now, in the past, it would be benign enough. We're on the same side as parents, wanting to build a bridge for parents. Some pediatricians still do. Take the time to really get to know your pediatrician. If your pediatrician is on the same page as you and you feel comfortable, it may still be okay. But as a general rule, don't leave. Because today, pediatricians will ask your child, so are you attracted to boys or girls? They'll ask your child, um, what gender are you? And legally, if a child reveals something to the doctor, the doctor does not have to tell you. The doctor is supposed to keep it confidential. So stick with your child. Gender experts, the activists, that's what they are. They're activists in white coats. They are frightening and bullying, uh, bullying parents into putting their children on this track. They will tell parents, literally, you have a choice. You either love your new son, new daughter, as transgender, or you will have a dead child. That is not true, but it's the suicide threat. That is how they pressure a lot of parents to go along. The other thing, which is becoming more common, is that when parents resist even the, the threat of the lie of suicide, doctors are reporting them to Child Protective Services as abusive parents. So this is increasing. The truth is, transition does not prevent suicide. The best study we have happened in Sweden. It was a 30-year study, 324 adult transsexual men and women underwent surgery and hormone treatment. For the first 10 years, the researchers couldn't really tell the difference in mental health between the transsexuals and the general population. After 10 years, the mental health problems, depression, anxiety, suicide, 
skyrocketed. At the end of 30 years, those who went through the transition hormones and surgery completed suicide at a rate 19 times greater than the general population. Sweden is not a transphobic nation. Transphobia, in other words, us Christians, are not, we're we're not the cause. A a transphobic, non-accepting culture is not the cause of suicide. The cause of suicide in this population is the underlying issues, the traumas, the misperceptions, the, the psychology. So gender ideology is an anti-science cult. And it's a cult in the sense that it's being preached by mainstream medicine, psychiatry. It is, has infiltrated our public schools and even private schools. I hear from parents even in some Christian schools who they're asking me for, you know, can you help us? Can you give us the science? Help us educate our principal and, and so forth. So be very careful because even Christian schools are not always immune from this ideology. And of course, social media and mainstream media. This is a really difficult time to be a parent. When we protect gender identity in law, the indoctrination of children becomes unstoppable. Think about it. We have, once laws enshrine uh, anti-discrimination laws, you can't discriminate against people for, uh, against their sex or against their skin color, fine. But gender identity is not like skin color. Gender identity is in the mind, and it can be correct or it can be wrong. If we protect gender identity the same way we protect skin color and sex, then parents cannot, can't say anything about a drag queen coming in and teaching their kindergartners that they might be born in the wrong body. And this is happening around the country, primarily in states that do protect gender identity and sexual orientation as if they're like skin color. In schools, it's not just sex education. Gender ideology, the the lie that you could be born in the wrong body is being taught across the curriculum. So from preschool and kindergarten during story time, as well as in English class and history class. And their books as red crayon, that sounds like a benign title. Well, it's about a red crayon that colors blue. So what that does, as the teacher reads through, she teaches children to think, oh, you know, what's on the outside may not be who you really are. The Teddy book, Introducing Teddy, is about a little teddy bear who's sad. At the beginning of the book, he has a bow tie. By the end of the story, he's gone from sad to happy because he realized he could make, move his bow tie and make it a barrette, a girl bear. This is dangerous because children, at the age of three, children may understand. They're just figuring out, I'm a boy, I'm a girl. It's not until age seven that children really understand sex doesn't change. By age seven, that's when kids are grasping a boy becomes a man and doesn't change, and a girl becomes a woman and doesn't change. So under age seven, children are very vulnerable to this ideology. Everyone as an adolescent or a teenager has some sort of angst, right? Um, it's that period, that time period is the time when a teen is supposed to figure out who they are, try on different roles, and consolidate who they're going to be. Well, now, right at that age period, when they're going through some depression, some anxiety, or, or just the normal up, ups and downs of teenage years, they are 
running into chat rooms and all kinds of videos that are promoting transgenderism. And we are actually seeing groups of teenagers at schools coming out as trans together. That's called rapid onset gender dysphoria. This is the power of social indoctrination and then the contagion from social media. So the new normal, if we allow our legislators to enshrine gender identity as a protected class, the new normal becomes drag queens, transsexuals, transgenders are a normal protected minority. And anyone who adheres to a biblical faith, including faithful Muslims, Orthodox Jews, Christians, Catholics, or anyone who believes in biology, we now become hate mongers and we're the ones who will be fined. And as an example, in New York City, if you misgender someone, if you use the wrong pronoun in New York City, you can be fined $250,000. They have also, in New York City, outlawed uh, in their transit and their trains, they no longer say ladies and gentlemen because that is, that is transphobic language. Dr. Lisa Littman, she is a mother as well as a, uh, <laughs> a researcher and physician. She published an excellent study about the rapid onset gender dysphoria in teenagers. She was uh, working for the Rhode Island Department of Public Health at the time, and she published her study out of Brown University. Because she was warning people about the, the rapid onset in these teenagers due to social media, she was attacked by the transgender activists, and Brown University pulled her study from their website. She was also fired from her position in the Rhode Island Department of Health. She and I are, are friends. She deeply cares about children and is committed to true science. Uh, the journal that published her study forced her to go through an additional, it, they forced her through the regular evaluation, and then because of pressure from transgender activists, they told the activists, oh, it's okay, we'll make her go through an evaluation again. Erosion of girls' and women's rights. If gender identity is protected in law, any boy, any man can say, I am a girl, I am a woman, and demand that he use a woman's restroom, a girl's locker room, be on a girl's sports team. Target, of course, has the open dressing rooms. The Yellow Home is um, a domestic abuse shelter in Fresno, California. Six women who were taking shelter in that home were forced to shower with a man because the man identified as a trans woman and California law requires that you not discriminate based on gender identity. And similar things are happening in women's prisons. Men are being housed in women's prisons. In the state of Connecticut, we no longer have boy sports and girl sports. We have boy sports and co-ed sports. We saw our first case in Ohio, Cleveland, Ohio, in which a judge removed a teenage girl from her parents' custody because the parents refused to allow her to be put on hormones and get a double mastectomy. I have been contacted by several parents across the country who are undergoing divorce. In each case, it involved a daughter around the age of 15 who never had any sign of gender identity disorder beforehand, before the divorce evolved. 
divorce proceedings begin and her gender dys their, the gender dysphoria erupts, one parent will insist that the gender dysphoria is a result of the trauma of the divorce and wants psychiatric treatment. The other parent will say, no, I believe the gender experts. I want her to get hormones and surgery. And the judges are siding with the hormones and surgery. This is a very dangerous movement. Stella Morabito, if you want to remember her name, Stella Morabito, you can look her up on the internet. Um, she is an expert in propaganda, communism, Russian studies. She has basically looked at the transgender movement indicating that this opens the door to a totalitarian government because it is forcing everyone to basically accept lies as reality. It's unsustainable. It's unsustainable to deny biology. It takes so much force to convince people, so much propaganda to convince people that our bodies are not who we are. She points out that it sows chaos into the language. And we talked about that a little bit with gender versus sex. We also have these crazy pronouns. She says it quite well. Transgenderism depends on a very aggressive campaign of agitation, propaganda, and punishment. You know, as I indicated, New York City, you get fined an outrageous $250,000 for using the wrong pronoun. Sowing the, the, sowing the seeds for totalitarianism, and she is ringing the alarm. Let's stand up together, sound the alarm, and speak out against its censorship. Educate yourselves. Educate your children. Be very proactive. Know what is going on in your children and grandchildren's schools. And the more we're going along, certainly fight to get your schools back. But more and more, I am pushing homeschooling. I, I really am. Yeah. Thank you. Dr. Michelle Critella at the Illinois Family Institute Worldview Conference. Please support the work of the Illinois Family Institute to give click the Contribute button on the homepage of IllinoisFamily.org or call 708-781-9328. Also, tell a friend about Illinois Family Spotlight. Until next time, God bless. For more information about Illinois Family Spotlight, visit ifiaction.org. And to email questions and comments, do so at feedback at ifiaction.org.